Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. It's so important to have great insights into what is actually going on that creates a toxic relationship that constitutes emotional abuse. And that's what this podcast is here to do, to help you to see it clearly, to give things a name, and to validate what you're experiencing. That's so important. You're not alone. It's happening to far too many people. But I want to take it down into little pieces so that you see them very clearly. And after saying little pieces, tonight I'm going to give you some big pieces. In fact, six nasty ways hijackals perpetrate post-separation abuse. And they're experts at it. They're totally experts at perpetuating this abuse because it's an extension of the control and power over you that they insist on having. And it's truly something to see to, if you're thinking of leaving, to actually say, ah, these things are probably going to happen. I need to keep my eyes and ears open for them happening to recognize that I see them And I know that this is post-separation abuse, and I need to report it to the courts, to CPS, wherever I need to report it, so that it is seen and it is followed. You may have to to do that repeatedly. So what is post-separation abuse? It's any domestic violence that occurs in the relationship, knowing that it can get worse later because it shifts to exerting control to terrorize and intimidate the healthier parent. And, you know, I've talked a lot about most people come from the healthier human planet, but then there are people who look just like healthier humans who come from the hijackal human planet. And so we ascribe to people, all people, the healthier human traits. So we keep thinking, if only we love them a little more, if only we do more for them, if only we're patient, if only they feel stable, when they come to really believe how much I love them, then they will be reassured and they will treat me better. But when these people come from the mythical, hijackal human planets, they're not going to do that because their main concern is, how do I get as much as I want from this? How do I exert control, exert power, manipulate, do anything so that it's all about me, so that I get what I want and I don't care about you? So it takes a while sometimes to really realize that you're with one of these relentlessly difficult people 
And my definition of a hijackal, which is the term I created for them, so people wouldn't rush off giving them diagnoses they're not qualified to give, hijackals are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes, and then they relentlessly scavenge those relationships for power, status, and control. So that may have set a light off in your mind and say, yes, that's exactly what happened. So post-separation abuse is the continuation of that power and abuse um, and control and that need for it. And it really gets ramped up when they think they're losing you, when they're failing at something because they hate that. And so that incites their anger and therefore perpetrates more abuse. and. What happens when you leave them is it kind of shifts the abusers because of their need for control. They they say, all right, how can I control you from afar? And I'll give you these six nasty ways that they go about it. And, and we all know, because I've talked about it so much, that hijackals must win at all times in every moment in every situation. And so that need for winning has to be shifted away from winning over you in the relationship and getting you to do what they want to shifting to win in the court uh, by doing anything that they need to do that's now external to the relationship. And another way that we get this post-separation abuse is they have a desire to punish or hurt the healthier parent or healthier partner. So they're riled up, they're angry, they're they're shamed in their own mind that they have failed, that you have left them. So of course it can't be their fault, it must be your fault. So they ramp up and they have a greater desire to hurt you or to punish you for doing this terrible thing to you, uh, to them. And you know, they say things like in their minds, how dare you not want me? How dare you not appreciate me? And they'll say it out loud after all I've done for you, you know, and they'll try to puff up the one or two things that they did well, as opposed to the 99 things that they didn't do so well or did very poorly. So that becomes important to recognize that post-separation abuse shifts where the control is exerted and it shifts it into more controlling from the outside, possessiveness, owning, uh, trying to buy the kids off, bullying, alienating the kids, misusing the courts, using and abusing the courts just as they've used and abused you. And then if you have children This can actually turn to what we call ACEs, adverse childhood experiences for the children. And this becomes the driver for them to perpetrate more abuse. Now, there's so many pieces of it, but I wanted to share with you, I don't know if you know Tina Swithin's work, but it's called One Mom's Battle. And she provided this wonderful post-separation abuse wheel, which you can find at onemomsbattle.com. And uh, I think you can, yes, onemomsbattle.com. Of course, there's no apostrophe. So onemomsbattle.com. And so she she offers eight ways that post-separation abuse wheel. She talks about alienating. She talks about neglecting or abusive parenting. She talks about counter-parenting. 
you know, we'd like to call it co-parenting, but with a hijackal, it won't be that. It will turn into, at the best, parallel parenting. And usually the hijackal wants to engage in counter-parenting. So whatever you want, they don't want. And whatever you do, they do the opposite. Uh, it comes into financial abuse, into legal abuse, into harassment and stalking you, into isolation, into coercive control. I've done shows on most of these pieces. So you can go to uh, youtube.com slash for F-O-R relationship help. And you can do a search on there on those terms. You'll find it. And you can go and download the PDF of this so that you can look at it really carefully at onemomsbattle.com. So creating adverse childhood experiences or ACEs, hijackals are great at it because they're using the children to get back at you. They're using the children in order to uh, hopefully express their anger, express their their shame, express all the nasty things they have inside them. So Adverse childhood experiences are traumatic things that happen before the age of 18. So they could be abusive in many natures. They could be neglect. The parent just doesn't bother talking to the children, doesn't bother reaching out to them when they have them. They ignore them. It could be uh, parental substance abuse. The person is using alcohol or drugs in front of the children or using them and making the children witness it. Um, it could be using domestic violence wherever they are, uh, continuing to perpetrate it by turning it on the children. It could be that they're incarcerated, so they are unavailable to the children, and the children then have an adverse childhood experience. It could be that, that the parent has a mental illness or traits of uh, personality disorders, as we talk about with hijackals. Um, and it could be just the trauma of a family going through divorce with all of these things running in the background, all of these things as potential horrible things that could be happening. So I wanted to give you these six nasty ways that hijackals perpetrate post-separation abuse so that you can paint them red, you can watch for them, you can plan for them, you can think about it, you can prepare. When I'm working with my clients in order to uh, help them prepare to leave, I go through so many pieces so that they are pre-thought and have skills for dealing with what could happen. If you want to talk to me at any time, I have a new client one-time, one-hour offer, uh, $97. So go to beaclient.com, beaclient.com. And by the way, thank you so much for supporting the show. I really appreciate it when I see the Patreon donations come in. They are one-time donations. Sometimes they are monthly donations. So thank you so much. And if you'd like to be a supporter, go to patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Now, six nasty ways that they are going to perpetrate this post-separation abuse. The first one starts early. You may not even be separated, but it will start early because their number one thing is to try and get you back. 
They don't want to have failed. They do not want to be left. They do not want to be shamed by thinking that they couldn't keep you. They don't want anybody to think anything was their fault. So their first line of defense is going to be to try and get you back. You've probably experienced that. So number one is going to be the old favorite, love bombing. All of a sudden, they can't believe their luck that you've spent so much time with them. Oh, I know I haven't always treated you well, but I've always loved you. And they start remembering things that you like to do. They maybe bring you gifts. They certainly future fake a lot. I did a whole episode on future faking. They're going to promise you anything. One of the things that they will promise is, I'll go to therapy if you don't leave me. I I will go. Now, it's an interesting phenomenon when I get a new client and they say, well, my partner has decided that they will go to therapy. And I say, oh, how many times? Oh, I don't know. How frequently are they going? I don't know. Going to therapy is hijackal speak for I interviewed a couple therapists and I didn't like what they had to say, or I've been once and I'm going to talk about it as my therapist and going to therapy. In the majority of cases, we'll find that maybe two or three times it has occurred and then they have quit, but they will talk about it in a global way as if they went for years just to demonstrate their commitment to the relationship. So watch for that. The love bombing is I will go to therapy. I will go to couples counseling with you. I can do that. Take them up on it right away if you still want the relationship to work. And remember, use that beaclient.com. Let's talk about it. This is my area of expertise. They cannot snow me. So it's a good bet that if you come along with them, that they will quickly show their hand or I will see their hand and we can talk about it. How else do they try and get you back? Well, they start to threaten. They start to threaten, hopefully intimidating you. I will seek custody. I have more money than you, and I will run you down in the courts. I will commit suicide. They like to add that one in there. Many of them like to threaten suicide. And then you as a healthier human go, oh, I'd hate to be the person who pushed them over the edge. They seldom, seldom commit suicide, but they threaten often. And if you're with one, a hijackal who does that, notice that they're still here. They have threatened it often, but they are still here because they don't kill themselves because they don't have any flaws. When you come down to it, they don't have any flaws, so they deserve to be here. They'll often tell you you don't. They may even threaten to take you out or take you down. They will threaten to ruin you. They will spread stories and they will threaten to do that if they haven't already done it. But you know, when a hijackal threatens something, they've already done it themselves. Or if they accuse you of it, they may well be doing it themselves. So all of these things that they try to get the kids on their side, they try to all of a sudden be the parent of the month, you know, um, so that the kids will say, Oh, you know, I want, I, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and it'll cause you, as with all of these things, the idea is to cause you to second guess yourself and not remember why you carefully chose 
to leave. So it's a big snow job and it's desperation for con- continuing control over you. So that's the number one nasty way they perpetrate post-separation abuse. Or even if it occurs before you physically separate, the decision to separate or the talk about separation will cause that to go into action. Now, the second thing is that they get very detectivish, very sleuthish, um, and they'll follow you or they'll surveil you or they'll stalk you and they will blow up your phone. Now, they may have well done that in the relationship, which drove you over the edge, but they will do it more. And they will say, I'm trying to talk to you about the children, if you have children, and how dare you not talk to me? And that's when you tell them, put everything in text, because then you have a copy of it. And they will threaten, they will do whatever in that place, and you will have it on record. But you do not talk to them when they blow up the phone. Just say, text, please. And in that surveillance mode that they have, they'll sit outside your home or sit outside your work or sit outside a friend's home or a family member's home or just around the corner where they can be seen by you because you're hypervigilant still. And they are just simply lurking. And that's what turns into the courts called stalking. So they are where you are and they have no need to be there except that they are watching you. They will go behind your back in, in this this digital and, and physical surveillance. Talk to your family. Sweet talk your family. When I left my first hijackle before I married him, long story. Um, I left him for nine months. What did he do? He went to my parents and my godparents and my friends and repeatedly went, took flowers, took chocolates. I don't know what's wrong with her. I'm offering her everything. I love her so much. That was a very long time ago. My parents prevailed on me. I was young. How dare you do this? This man loves you. And of course, I second-guessed myself and I married him. Three and a half years later, after multiple forms of abuse, I also divorced him under very difficult circumstances, but it was enough. So they will follow, and they will stalk, and they will surveil. They'll put GPS on your car if they haven't already. They'll try to put a tracker on your phone. If you're leaving a hijackle, be sure to have your phone in your car checked for trackers and, and, and software and GPS devices under your car. They will have hidden cameras. I remember working with a client who had cameras installed and which is always a good idea if you live alone in a home or alone with children in a home, a standalone home. And fortunately, we got him, in this case, it was a woman and her children who lived in the house. And we found him on hidden cameras going into the backyard, off the alley, poisoning the pool, um, stalking around the house, uh, oh, doing all kinds of things in order to hopefully scare her. And that was very, very obvious. Now, that's a long, long story, but I'll just tell you that it took a really long time to get a very happy ending. 
Um, all right, so that's number two. Number three nasty way that they perpetrate abuse is they they get into the court system. They start uh, saying they want to go to mediation as we can figure this out. Mediation very seldom works with hijack calls, so know that first, and then you go you move on to court because you can't settle anything in mediation usually. So then they begin their. Um, their abusive behaviors there. So you have a court date, they don't show up. You have a court date, they show up, but their attorney continually asks for continuances. Oh, we're not ready. We couldn't get these documents. And they push it and they push it and they push it. The attorneys are happy to push it because they're making money on it. Um, but the hijackal wants you to be nervous we want you to be anxious, getting ready for the court date, and hopefully wants to wear you down. So then they keep you going back to court and going back to court, and they kept pushing it off. Now, some courts tolerate that. Some don't tolerate it very well, which is really good. Another thing that they will do with the court is they will make up damaging stories. Now, the court doesn't know what the story really is. So they're often good actors and they'll be very proactive and they'll use very colorful language. It won't have any facts in it, really. It will all have nuances and emotion, but they will paint these stories that didn't happen or take a story that did happen and turn it about 20 degrees to their favor and warp the content of the story. Familiar? They do that when you're living with them too, but they do it on the court. And it's important to see that they'll make up these damaging stories uh, about you and about your life together. And they will go to child protective services or family court services, whichever you have in your location, and they will make up stories about you being an abusive parent. And it, it will be repeated and it will be frivolous and it will waste all kinds of CPS workers' time and they will maybe find that it's just frivolous. On the other hand, they could believe them and that could engage you for a long time trying to prove that you are a fit parent. Even though you've never done anything to show that you were anything less than a fit parent, they put doubt into the system, and then you turn up having to show that you didn't do anything. All they had to do was point the finger. Now you were scurrying to uh, show that you didn't do anything wrong. Another thing that they do is they will, and I know this because they've done it to me, they will start to harass me. They will they will write notes. Are you seeing my partner? We saw you together, and you know they'll they'll say terrible things, and they'll want me to change my mind, and they'll want me to write a letter on their behalf or whatever. Um, they will also misrepresent finances in court. And I've put talking about finances in two of these because when they're dealing with court and they're endeavoring to um, perpetrate the abuse, they will they will uh, misrepresent the finances. So now we have three solid things that they do. Now let's look at number four, and that's about the money. Just oh, the money. You know how difficult money dealings are with a hijackal at any point because that's always power over or being used for your money. Um, 
So of course they use this. So they will, first of all, if, if you leave them and they think even that you're going to leave them, they will drain your bank account, which is why I always say, let's plan your leaving very carefully. Let's plan it without conversation with the spouse so that we can fend off any possibilities as much as we can of these financial abuses. Um, so, so they will abscond with the marital funds, really, and the assets, or they will withhold support payments. They will have all kinds of excuses why they can't do it, but they basically are just saying, go ahead, live without me. Go ahead. I'm not giving you anything. Why should I give you anything? You're not giving me anything right now. And so they will push the envelope until they can't any longer. Um, so finances are a big deal. And they'll create claims in court. You know, they'll say that you promised them this, or you, they're the only ones that ever worked. And that might be true, but then they'll forget that you made an agreement that one parent would be a stay at home and the other one would work for a specified period of time. But the only part of the story that makes it to court is you didn't do anything to contribute to this family. I did everything and they blow that all up. Um, also, when you go to court, it is very common to be splitting the fees for attorneys in court and that's expected. And so they will withhold their half. They won't, they won't do it. So if you want a divorce, you're going to have to come up with all the money. If you want this so badly, you figure it out. And so again, it's abusive because it all comes back to you. And one of the reasons you want a divorce is because you have had to take the high road so many times and you have been thrown under the bus so many times and you want it to end. And then they withhold funds and they create claims in court and they refuse to pay their half of the expenses and say, if this is what you want, figure it out. This ringing any bells, this is a really common part of it because finances is one way to exert control for sure. The other thing they like to do is hide marital assets. I've mediated many divorces in California. And they have to disclose all the finances. But what hijackers don't realize is when they fill out the financial disclosure form, what happens with that financial disclosure form here in California is that you have to exchange them with your partner and ask questions and believe that each other's is reasonable and accurate. Well, we pretty soon find many unreported things on the hijackles' financial disclosure because they think that they're going to hide marital assets. I've also had clients who have relatives in other countries and found that they were taking large sums of money, sending them to relatives to put into banks for them in other countries from which they came or planned to move to. And so they didn't show up unless we could get the transfer, things like that. So this financial abuse is, is continuing by hiding marital assets and saying that that money never occurred. It's like hijackals don't realize that there are such things as tax documents, but <laughs> that's a story for a whole other time. Um, they may even 
disappear for long periods of time, make themselves unavailable. They'll run the risk of demonstrating that they abandoned the family because they don't want to deal with the financial aspects. Or if you have been paying all the bills, they don't want to give you the opportunity to have them come to court. Now, every country, every state is different when you can have a divorce even if the person doesn't respond. But that's something to talk over with your attorney. And the last thing that I would say about money is they um, they feign, <coughs> excuse me, they feign an inability to work. But they love to say, well, they can't work. They're hurt or they're unemployable or the economy. And it continues. So the fifth nasty way that they are going to perpetuate the abuse is in your co-parenting plan. They really like to go against the rules. So if you have a parenting plan with custody outlined, or if you're dealing with having that created, they like to push the boundaries. They like to not do what they have been told to do or they have agreed to do. And they're very likely to not do it. So they won't keep the exchange time. They, They are very elastic with time. And so that's why when you write a divorce parenting plan, you have to talk about 15 minutes of wiggle time, if you like, wiggle room, um, uh, when you're making an exchange, and anything over that will be seen contempt to the order. So many things to learn about leaving, which is what I help my clients with. So again, go to beaclient.com if you have questions, and we'll talk. But <clears throat> they'll also do things like refuse to bring the ki- the children back. They, they just won't do it. And then you have to get the police involved and you have to go to court and have an ex parte hearing. You have to do all of that and it costs money and they know that they are making you spend money and they're doing it very much on purpose. They'll also become the Disneyland parent. So anything that you won't let the kids do, they'll all of a sudden be able to do it at at the other parent's house. And they will be doted on and given everything. And there will be no rules. And everything will be all latitude at the hijackal's house. And you will become the person who disciplines, the person who has boundaries and rules. And the hope is that the children will want to go to Disneyland rather than go to the rules house. And so they play that card repeatedly. Also, again, They will file with Child Protective Services repeatedly. Every time the child comes to them from your house, they will interrogate the child, warp the story, and make a CPS filing. Or they will refuse to participate in medical appointments, refuse to add medical information that can be very important to a child. You know, many times that when there wasn't a marriage, but there was a living together situation and the the hijackal parent <clears throat> wants to leave or is being left, they will refuse to, to give medical information so that you have to guess at what could possibly be um, in the DNA for the children, you know. 
especially if you have a very young child, they will do that. And they'll refuse to to do the things that have to be done. Like they will refuse in the co-parenting situation, which is really not co-parenting at all, um, they will refuse to do the homework with the children. Or the children will have regular weekly after-school activities that they agreed that the child should have, but on their time, they won't take the child or they'll have is too much trouble or they'll allege that it was something you wanted and they didn't really want it so they're not going to do it so the child suffers because they're chastised for not being there regularly and perhaps they get cut from a team or not able to sustain something that they really loved and so they'll damage the child to hurt you basically is what they're doing and they'll they'll get overly protective and they'll want to talk to the child every day when they don't have custody and they'll want to call anytime. And that's why you have to, again, get help to be very specific with your parenting agreements and your marital settlement agreements. Now, number six, nasty thing hijackles do to perpetuate post-separation abuse is that they threaten violence. Now, I left this to the end because they don't all do it, but I just want to put the understanding in you that this is something that they could do, depending on how desperate they feel. And it's important to know because <clears throat> they will they will threaten to scare you. Many times they're not going to do anything, but they want to scare you, intimidate you, control you, make you not want to leave them. Not that they want you. You know, hijackals have very little love to give, but they have very many uses for you, and they they want to keep using you. So they will try to scare you with threats of violence or, or threats of things that they would do to the children or to the pets or to your reputation that would all end up being quite violent. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.